and welcome to this, the fourth episode of the Foreign Podcast, the podcast for foreigners of every flavour. My name is uh, Patrick Garrett and I'm recording this in Montpellier in France and I'm being joined by... Mike Bowden and uh, I'm coming at you, yay, yeah, yeah. from Odense in Denmark. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how are you, Mike? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a bit upset because uh, you completely forgot about my birthday. Oh no! <laughs> just, just for the record, I've got no idea when your birthday is, Pat. Just, just, just so you know. And Happy mine was birthday, a, Mike. Cheers! It, it, it was a month ago, but don't worry about it. And um, <laughs> where was? Uh, how old are you? Yeah, forty-eight. Oh my God! Like, yeah, I was it. fifty this year. I, I win. I win. Yeah, thanks yeah, for the boy. invitation. So, and. Um, <laughs> Just before we start, there's a little bit of admin that needs to be done. Okay. Where's um, a, a good friend of mine? I don't know. It, it sounds sounds weird. It sounds weird saying my best friend, but my best friend Jacob um, okay. said that uh, point pointed out the fact that in the first episode, I think I might have either misspoke, overspoke, overexaggerated, whatever. But okay. uh, we were talking about those kind of punishment zones mm-hmm. in Denmark, and uh, I made an analogy of. Uh, if uh, me and you got into a fight, which you would lose, that I would, um, that that if someone else, if other people who were foreign, but have maybe yep. had a different skin colour, got into a fight in, in a certain area, they would be punished more severely. That isn't true. Um, I didn't okay. actually mean that, because I, I mean, I knew it wasn't true. It, But um, yeah, so it basically means that if, if anyone is in those zones, they would be punished more harshly than if they were not. But all those zones are kind of situated around where there are lots of uh, immigrants and foreigners. Okay. And, uh, but it, it, there's more to the story. But just in case anyone got the impression that Denmark kind of punishes people with brown skin harsher than with okay. white skin, it needs pointing out that that isn't the Okay, okay. Well, but, I'm, uh, I'm glad we've cleared that up. Do, do you feel better having cleared that up? It's it, it's a weight off, yeah. <laughs> no, but but I think yeah, as I said, you know, it, it, if people are listening, think you know, Denmark is this crazy nutcase racist country that yep. kind of uh, punishes people um, with darker skin harsher. Then I yep. think maybe um, it's probably a, a, a good idea to sort of put the record straight. That is, I, I, I um, think it's a good a good idea to be to be accurate about this these sort of things, Mike. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, I can I think we can put that one to bed. Yes. Okay. So anyway, Pat, on on with the uh, onwards. So like uh, onwards and upwards. Yeah. <laughs> so as ever, we're going to do a new story, which is based on the subject of foreigners or immigration or anything to do with uh, with not being in the country where you came from originally. And we're going to go on to the topic of the week. We're yeah. gonna get some. We're gonna get some jing- jingles. We're gonna get some jingles. I'm gonna do it. Um, uh, I, I think uh, you should just record what you've just said there. And I, I will. And behind I, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good idea. Uh, which we're gonna talk about uh, what it was like to. Well, we're gonna start talking about what it was like to go to school as a foreigner in Denmark and France. Yeah. So it's your turn to do the news, Mike. What have you? What have you got for us this time? You know, I've actually got a long run up to this one, Pat. So oh, you, you, so you might have to sort of edit those that's out. I'll just, I'll just turn my mic off and drink my tea. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. Do that. Well, uh, there was a, a political party um, in Denmark called uh, Stramkurs. Um, 
and that translates sounds to, hardcore yeah it is it actually translates to hard line oh my god and um even wikipedia you know it says here uh stram course translated hard line is a nationalist anti-islamic political party in denmark okay. and sweden founded in 2017 by the danish swedish lawyer Rasmus Helleden. The party is almost exclusively associated with its founder and his anti-Islam activism and demonstrations. It is considered a, fad- a radical far-right fringe party by political scientists and media. Okay. Anyway, um, they didn't get in, they didn't get voted for, but right. what he did to gain kind of notoriety was mm. travel around uh, Denmark. I don't know if he actually did it in Sweden, he might have done, but we're talking about Denmark now. Mm. And um, filmed himself on YouTube or got people to film him uh, burning the Quran and okay. um, and saying that, yeah, basically, yeah, you know, no place for this kind of thing in in his country. Right. And um, yeah, obviously, most people, even like, you know, the kind of the hardliners uh, with regards to immigration, just thought mm. the guy was a complete and utter lunatic, uh, mm. which he which he is. But. There was also a lot of debate around because there was lots of police that had to, in a way, protect him because, mm. funnily enough, he pissed quite a few people off. <laughs> and so mm. when he turned up places, he actually needed police protection and there was a big debate about that. Mm. And uh, and anyway, it uh, the the new coalition government, uh, this is, uh, uh, has, has, it's being dubbed by the media called the Quran Law. And what it started out was that you weren't allowed to um, inappropriately, uh, inappropriately sort of mistreat religious sort of objects, mm. and um, and this has now been changed. I mean, the, the news isn't that it's been changed, but this is mm. it is just a part of the news. This has now been changed to be now limited to sort of religious writings. Okay. So, as one of my colleagues said, it's basically the Rasmus Paladin law. Right. Okay. So the idea is that it would now be uh, actually illegal to burn the Quran or the Bible or any other religious writings in public, and um, which seems sort of on the face of it, well, why is this kind of news? Mm. Well, I suppose in Denmark it's quite newsworthy because we had. Uh, we, I've said we, it's not me, it's them, Pat, it's them. <laughs> because we in Denmark had the, uh, what was called over here, Mohammed Clayton, which is the sort of the, yeah, the, 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 the prophet, the drawings of the prophet and the crisis that came with regard to that. Lots mm. of people burning Danish flags in Middle Eastern countries. The, uh, the artists who drew the, um, who drew, uh, drew the uh, cartoons, I suppose, or the images the newspaper were had to go into hiding etc mm. etc and it seems now that uh, well it doesn't seem apparently the uh, intelligence service has informed the government that um, things like this believe it or not increase the terror threat on denmark really <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so but um the the kind of interesting thing about it is i suppose even though it seems quite obvious is that there actually are uh, like artists mm. and uh, yeah, artists actually coming out saying, "Well, you're kind of blocking our freedom of speech," which is mm. why I think they actually sort of limited it to now religious writings 
rather than mm. any religious objects. Mm. But uh, someone actually said here, um, uh, artists and sort of uh, society, uh, yeah, people who More sort of, liberals, yeah, yeah, sort of, sort of uh, said that it's not just an attack against art, the political um, um, and, and, and the art and the free press, but uh, an attack on our free and democratic society. Mm. That was the uh, so the whole idea of um, the whole idea of uh, freedom of speech and freedom of expression they feel is being limited by this law, and it shouldn't matter, even though it mm. does matter. Mm. I mean, I've actually got more, but mm. I think I'll let you jump in. Okay. Um... I'll let you jump in. Just you know, I'm, 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 I'm allowing you to jump in now. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really tricky subject. I mean, obviously, France has had its uh, fair share of uh, controversy surrounding uh, this type of activity and the consequences of it. Yes. In terms of this, the idea that it's a, it's limiting expression uh, to make it illegal to burn the Quran or any religious text in in, in for that matter, or inappropriately treat it. That's the word. In, inappropriately yeah. treating it. Yeah. I mean, I would, in terms of demanding that as part of my freedom of speech that I should be able to burn a, a sacred book, I find a bit bizarre. And I, and I always have found that a bit bizarre. The, uh, I mean, I, I did read, I read about this, uh, 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 I read about this uh, story a little before. And um, it said that basically it doesn't limit at all. Like, for example, uh, the, uh, the drawing of cartoons, et cetera, et cetera, is literally just, as you said, it's just to stop this guy from burning the Quran because it, it causes like a huge amount of problems, basically. Yeah, it, in, it started in, out as every kind of anything to do with religion. And now they've mm -hmm. kind of limited it to, yeah, basically just the burning of books. Why, why, what I don't really understand is is why the notion of freedom of speech is being tied to the burning of a book, or specifically this book. Because, um, I mean, you know, Denmark and Sweden are famously, you know, in, uh, free countries, if you like. You know, you, uh, in, terms of, in terms of law, uh, Denmark and Sweden, you know, are, are no, notoriously liberal, in fact. You know, like people can, you know, you really can do a lot into, you know, in terms of like other countries are, are you know, are, are not so not so free, if you like. The burning of the Quran is is incredibly provocative. You know, it's 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 not like it, there's a difference between burning the Quran and, um, for example, being in a political debate where you where you sort of argue against the negative aspects of Islam. It's not the same thing. Burning the Quran, like you know, is as we have all seen over over many years, is is hugely provocative and and can be extremely dangerous. You know, many people have died because of this. So. Linking like freedom of speech to the burning of Quran just like says to me that this guy is uh, is 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 a bit of a, a nutter, and that the people uh, that are claiming that it's got a, that there's a problem with like freedom of speech have maybe have maybe got it a little bit wrong. Like I don't I don't see you know that if if I can't burn a Quran, like I'm not you know I don't I don't feel you know I'm not sort of waking up in the morning and thinking fucking hell. <laughs> I can't burn a Quran today. Do you know what I mean? I'm living in a fucking, you know, dystopian society, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's, it seems seems ludicrous to me. 
Yeah, I think the. Uh, I mean, yeah, we we. I I agree. Obviously, I think his kind of point, which is stupid, is well, you could perhaps burn a Bible or anything else, and obviously you would you would uh, annoy people. But look what happens with them. Therefore, the problem is with their religion. The problem is with their culture because okay. doing this then provokes this kind of complete overreaction where if you did that with any other but religious the thing, work... But the thing, what I don't then, really understand is, is the logic. It's just like, okay, well, if doing this provokes this overreaction, then why not just stop doing it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is like, I don't yeah. know, there, there is a, a kind of a sort of like logic fail in all of this. It's just like blatantly, the only, the, the only reason that this is being done, as far as I can see, is because this guy is, is Islamophobic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is, there really is no other um, reason. Yeah, he's doing it. But the the interesting thing uh, politically is that when we had the the crisis, uh, it's called the yeah, Mohammed Tyson, mm. the, uh, the 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 drawings of the prophet and everything else. Denmark was asked by various countries to apologise. And I don't think the uh, there was a big debate of whether Denmark should apologise. There was this whole freedom of speech debate, um, real staunch defence of mm. the newspaper that printed them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but now, so in a way, it's quite a, it, it's, it is very newsworthy that Denmark is now actually making this illegal because I was talking to a friend of mine, a colleague as well, history teacher uh, called Tice. And he says that there's a kind of new uh, sort of foreign affairs, foreign policy, which is called pragmatic idealism, mm. which is, yeah, which is as it sounds. You have your idea, you have your, your ideals and freedom of speech being one of them, mm. but you have to kind of be pragmatic about it. And, mm. um, and so as you say, yeah, if it does sort of cause people to maybe die or, or, or Denmark to have a higher terrorist threat, maybe it's a good idea to not do it well yeah this is it. i mean like there are you know there are there are certain you know we all live in like status societies you know we are governed by law like from cradle to grave like literally every aspect of my life is is ruled by law you know the free the idea that we have freedom of speech is illusory we don't you know we are governed by law i i assume for example that racism is illegal in denmark it is yeah yeah. There's a there's a reason for that, you know. I can't just go out into the street in Denmark and be and be racist, you know. It, it causes it can cause real problems, you know. Freedom of speech comes with, you know, responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. free, freedom of speech does not mean that you are free from the responsibility of the words you put out into the world. And in this and in, in this case, he, this guy isn't putting words out into the world. He's propagating hatred, you know. And if you propagate hatred in in the societies in which we live, we all live in these status societies, as I say, that are governed by law. You should expect the peaceful peaceful elements of that society to try to stop you. You know, Islamophobia is a is a form of hatred. You know, it's ethno religious racism, in fact. You know, which is kind of what what those guys in the twentieth century, the middle of the twentieth century, were, were they like they they, yeah. they were yeah. kind of doing the same thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just south and, of you know, Yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, burning burning books is never a good look. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, there is this sort of paradoxical element to this, you know, freedom of speech, said said the Nazis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But the interesting, uh, the inter- just as a short thing to, to round it up, is that Denmark is now going, sort of, uh, in its foreign policy, from this, what was what was called Konkurrenzestaten, which is the competitive state 
which mm. is competing with other countries, globalization, trying to create economic growth, mm. to now being very protective. Um, you could call it Sikkerhedsstaten, but Sikkerhed in Danish means both safety and security. Mm. So now the whole, because the, the whole rhetoric now from the government, their, their, their manifesto is, well, we've had kind of corona, got inflation, there's a war in Ukraine, there's now this. Now we actually need to sort of look after Denmark. Now we need to, okay. everything is now sort of more protectionist rather mm. than sort of uh, competing. And mm. this maybe pragmatic idealism is also a part of this new kind mm. of foreign policy. And that, Pat, is my news story. That, that was pretty good. I, I like that. That was a good one. That was, was, that was that one of the best. That, that was uh, of the four we've had. I'm pretty sure that was the best one, Mike. I, I don't think it tops the uh, 12 <laughs> Ukraine students. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I don't right, think anything right, will right, ever top right, that one. Okay, right. That, uh, well, I'll make sure that uh, next week uh, I have the world's <laughs> best news story. Okay, so moving on, the topic of the week is yes. going to be about education. Moving on, like so, it sounds like uh, there's a there's a guy burning Korans in in Denmark that needs a bit of education. I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh. well, he's a lawyer, and, uh, you know. Well, <laughs> well, so maybe uh, just he, should, show. he should just keep keep reading reading those books. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a foreign student. Uh, we have both been foreign students, me and Mike, and uh, we. I'm still a student of life, Pat. You know, that's it. That's I'm it. still learning every day. Every day's a, a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> and really, I just wanted to. Obviously, this is a this is a long topic. Yeah, we both had like really. We both did, as far as I'm aware, all of our education in in foreign countries. Like we yes. don't, you know, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to talk about like what it was uh, the experiences of of, of doing that. Um, France is a is an extremely education centric society. It's a, it's very normal in France actually to be uh, to be quite highly educated. You know, there's a the, all um, education in France is uh, is state owned. Or there, there is a not all education in France is state owned, but the the grand majority of of French education is owned by the state. Yeah, and there are you know there are pri there are private schools obviously that you can go to, but um, you know they're called a grand école. There are sort of private universities and so forth. But the the French education system is absolutely massive, and the uh, the amount of foreign students that come here to study every year because it's state sponsored, uh, it's extremely cheap. Uh, so, for example, if you come from Britain or you come from America, where you have to uh, spend a huge amount of money to get a a degree or a master's um, in France, the opposite is true. In fact, I'm in the second year of a master's and I think I paid about 200 euros for a year of tuition here. I think uh, in I think in Britain, it's what, like, I don't know, between seven and nine thousand pounds per year, something like that. Yeah, that's mental, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, thanks so, Tony but, Blair. Thanks. Yeah, mate. thanks. Thanks, thanks for that. Tony. Education, uh, education. <laughs> that, that was his slogan in the late nineties. Education, education, education. Yeah, it and then he just ripped the guts out of it. Yeah, that's so it. And, then just, and yeah. then just ran away. Yeah, and then ran and then, away. <laughs> that's oh, it. Oh, um, he bombed Iraq first, and then yeah, that's away. it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. And, yeah. and he asked God before he did it. <laughs> of course. Sorry, that was a 
We, just, we a brief, uh, just an aside. <laughs> yeah, just an aside. So, uh, in, in I fucking hate that bloke. I really do. <laughs> in twenty twenty and to in twenty twenty to twenty twenty one, apparently yeah. there were three hundred and sixty five thousand foreign students in France, of which I was one. Wow. So I wanted to just ask you, Mike, uh, to give a bit of an introduction to your educative process i suppose like what happened to you like where did you go to school first um and so forth and i think we'll we'll probably carry on talking about this in in future weeks i would have thought but like you know what 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 made you go to school in the first place in denmark well just i just want to say before we start like everything i sort of learned i learned from the streets you know (laughs) so (laughs) sorry i just i I couldn't well um (laughs) I mean, I went to sort of the language, learning the language school very, very briefly. So that was just to learn language. That wasn't actually an education. Well, it is an education in itself, but it wasn't an education with regard to to sort of further education. It wasn't uh, official qualifications in terms of maths or whatever. But mm. I I then, because I got a full-time job, I think I said this on episode one, then I just started working and picked up the language by going to work and by being laughed at. And still actually going to work and being enough there, as we spoke about in other episodes. But yeah, I went to uh, actually the place where I now work, which is called VUC, uh, VUC, and it stands for Box and Udense Center, which basically means it's an adult learning center. And I needed to get the qualification called Danish as a second language. And that's on a similar kind of level as what you would do as at the last year of primary school so it's on that level and that was completely free Um, and in order to get a grant which also is completely free UK listeners (laughs) and uh, I had to do some other subjects I basically kind of gamed the system I don't mind sort of uh, admitting it Mm. I, I, I didn't really want to work in a kitchen anymore I liked going to school, but in order to kind of get the benefits, financial benefits, I needed to take some other subjects to do a certain amount of hours per week. And then after I exceed the amount of hours per week, then I can get a student grant. So So how how old were you at this point? Well, I think I started in 2001, which would have made me 26. Okay, okay. And that took one year. So I just did the other subjects, which didn't really matter. And but passing Danish as a second language, that was my ticket into kind of getting what, what you know, what we call either high school diploma or my A levels or my entrance to further education. So I did that for a year. And then uh, once I got Danish as a second language, then there was an actual there was a course in Denmark. Oh, this is the difficult one to say. It's called a GIF, like, you know, like a GIF, but it stands mm. for Gymnasiums Insulusning to Famosbauer, which is crazy which is kind of like a high school something for foreign language speakers. Um, I never worked out what insolutioning meant. I never really asked either. But uh, so, but what it was, it was like a one-year kind of package for foreign language students because usually your A-levels or your high school is like a two or a three-year, mm. two or three-year thing. But what they'd done is uh, they'd put together all these different subjects um, I had Danish at a slightly lower level than what you do now. So uh, Danish is usually taught at something called A-level Danish. 
and I actually did B-level Danish. And I had Danish with only other foreigners and I had English only in a class with other foreigners. And then I did some different subjects uh, like psychology and biology. And that was in a kind of a class with normal Danes, mm. whatever. But that was all condensed to one year. Okay. So, and I did that. And so, so that was like your sort of secondary school education. Then. Did, did yeah. you not do a, so you didn't do A levels and GCSEs in Britain? <laughs> I was, uh, uh, well, I think I got, no, I mean, A levels, absolutely not. Um, I really wasted my parents when I went to private school, okay. private, privately educated, don't you know? <laughs> and, um, and I think I got two C's, two D's, two E's, and an F. Pat. That's not bad, Mike. And, uh, and I didn't want to study anymore. Yeah, and enough. so uh, I just started working and doing other recreational activities that um, I won't mention okay. on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, then, then just, you know, started to work. And, um, and I remember, you know, if we contrast it to the UK, I remember actually wanting to study mm. um, in the UK uh, when I met my ex-wife, because we met and lived with each other in England for a bit. But there was the whole issue of there was no funding anymore. There was no student Mm. grant and Mm. I'd have to pay and uh, myself for the further education. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of binned that idea and was Mm. just like working, selling televisions for in a Sony franchise instead. So, um, but yeah, but Denmark, it was just like all free and well, not just free. I got got paid, you know, got a grant to do it and also a student loan on top of the, on top of the grant. That's crazy. I never got paid. Like, um, I, do you want me to tell you what I did? No, not really. Anyway, yeah. so, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, what happened? Um, I think I, I talked about it briefly in the first episode, I think. Like, I, I, was a, I was a video games journalist in, in my in a previous life, and I had a company. Um, I'd lived in France for about seven or eight years. You had some great employees as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> for for anybody listening, Mike Mike was the first person other than myself that that wrote for for my website, uh, which was called vg twenty four seven dot com. Just to, just to make sure that that's clear and official. I'm on the Wikipedia yeah. page. Just so you know. But like in uh, so I basically did all of my work in in English, and it was it, when I. Uh, we sold the site in the end and, and I was kind of left uh, in the middle of a French wood and I couldn't speak French. And so like the, I had to, I went to school and uh, I, I, I talked about this as well in, in one of the other episodes to, to go to school to learn French, you have to pay in uh, like none of it's free at all. Like, you know, I had to pay, I'm trying to think how much it was. It was about, it was about one and a half grand a semester I think like when uh, the, I took my first what, grand is in thousand pounds or euros euros wow and yeah. uh it and um I started at the level b2 so in for those of you that don't know if you're listening in Britain uh it's maybe likely that you don't really speak another language or or so and so forth um the European framework for like learning languages goes from a1 to c2 so A1 is is literally like yes, no, maybe, one, two, three. And C2 is kind of uh, sort of semi-bilingualism, uh, 
basically it's it's a it's a level of autonomy that's uh, that's pretty high and i think when i first went to i went first went to the university of strasbourg and it was uh, i was doing i did my level b2 there and i ended up uh, then i did another two semesters after that in in uh, at the university of montpellier paul valery uh, so i did c1 and c2 and i had to pay for that as well and it was only after that that i kind of realized that you know I'd, I'd been aiming to to sort of start a degree i wasn't educated in britain at all like really apart from like gcse's and a levels um i did go to university briefly in, in britain i started a chemistry degree but i but for because of the sort of activities that we're we're not mentioning on this podcast so that kind of like fell through for me as well right, i think okay. i did i did i did I thought the chemistry semester. degree might have helped you but, uh, <laughs> uh, a bit cheaper maybe yeah, yeah. yeah that's it um, but yeah, for, for basically for money reasons, I just couldn't go to university. Basically, after after that, you know, I, I sort of you know when I came back to it, all the, you know, it was just never an option. I just needed to earn money, and I, I realised that after when I was in France, that basically going to university in France is effectively free. You you know you have to pay a sort. Of, you, you, I'm trying to think how much you have to pay. It's a couple of hundred euros for tuition. You have to pay this other thing called a CVEC, which is a contribution to university life it's basically like student tax which is like sort of 90 something euros everyone has to pay it and apart from that that really is it obviously but you, I mean, in terms of grants and stuff I'm, I'm honestly not sure about that because i've never been you, you do get them they're called boss but you, um I'm, I'm certainly not eligible for them i think it's it's um it's really for for people that don't have have much money at all right but then yeah, yeah I, I went to uh, then i started a, a literature degree so uh, like what um when you what was your degree in you did sociology wasn't it well my, my degree i i yeah it was english and social science and social okay. sciences is a combination of uh, politics economy and sociology and um, what what was it like being a being a foreign student at a danish university i mean were you were you like obviously foreign or were you treated like any other student in the class um I was I was treated uh, by my fellow students as I said to you I've, I've mentioned it a few times before there is a status there is a certain mm. status in being either American or English yeah, yeah. and if I'm studying English at university yeah, yeah. being English there are a lot of people that there's actually a term I don't know I, I never heard of it um, until I got over here but you know there are Anglophiles people who kind of yeah like everything sort of that is to do maybe with england or the language and stuff so i've had sort of people just like wanting to hear my accent mm -hmm. and um i and i think i really did play on that uh being sort of young and stupid and mm -hmm. um i kind of maybe got carried away with uh with with the sort of the popularity and and not so much focused on like, actually learning anything which so is, uh, you you were like a you were like a popular kid in the class like you were a bit of a bit of a superstar like well i, I wouldn't say superstar but i also think I, I i sort of played on it i played on the fact that i could just sort of say something okay and um and and then it became just a thing that i did i just said stuff a lot and uh but i think what it was actually like uh, on reflection was it was, yeah, I felt a bit kind of, it was difficult 
Mm. It was more difficult than I could imagine. It w- it would have been because lots of people, as I said to you before, say, "Oh, well, of course you studied English, you know, because mm. you're English." And I can understand that. But studying English maybe in Britain is, uh, from from what I understand at least, is like reading lots and lots and lots of literature, analyzing that literature, maybe main comparative studies of that literature, mm. um, literature history, etc. In Denmark, uh, because English is a foreign language. It, mm. There's so much emphasis on the science of the language. Yeah, of so, yeah. uh, so yeah. the grammar, for example, like I hadn't had grammar really, like from when I was like 12 years old. I knew yeah. what nouns and verbs and adjectives were, mm. and then all of a sudden I was at university having to sort of do these kind of these sort of um, analysis trees mm. of of what different types of nouns and verbs and how all these sort of things went together in a sentence, and. I was seriously out of my depth, like seriously out of my depth. Mm. And and also I had to learn like the phonetic alphabet off by heart. And I had to sort of translate just normal written English to sort of phonetic English. We had, I had to do that in French. Like yeah. I, did that, I, did, I did that at CT, we had to do phonetics, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. that was, no, I, you know, I, I, I experienced that was pretty exactly, exactly the same thing in terms of grammar. I mean, I just, I, I barely knew, I didn't know anything. Or, or very little, you know, I, I literally knew yeah, exactly what you did. I knew what, a, you know, a noun and a verb was pretty much, and that was kind of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's hilarious to say that because I did spend actually many years, like, as a professional writer. And yeah. I had actually, I just had no idea at all. So, like, you know, it was, like, l- really, like, learning French. Um, I was forced to sort of, like, learn the, the sort of rudimentary elements of French grammar. But when I went into my degree... Um, for the first two years, it was, it was a, I mean, I, I, I wasn't in a sort of special program for foreigners or anything. I, I was in exactly the same fr- program as, as, as any French literature students. So um, we had to, it's part of, the, uh, part of the literature course. So for the first two years, you have grammar lessons and and you know and they're hard. <laughs> they're yeah. really hard. Like, you know, it was like, especially in the second year. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I scraped through in the second year. Like, I mean, it was it was really tough because, like, a lot of the examples they give you, obviously, uh, from literature, you know, a lot of examples from, like, 19th century, like, French literature and stuff, which is pretty archaic. And, like, you know, we had to do, I think, I remember for the last exam, I mean, our teacher, God love him, he was, he was a bit of a hero. But, like, it was, uh, we had to write a, it was a, it was an exam in French. You call it sur table, which uh, which means it's you sit in a room with a pen, kind of thing. And you you know you're on, you're on a clock. You know it's a, it's a bit like sort of John Brown school days. And um, we had to write a presentation. Did you not write sonne part in pen? We had we had to write write an essay basically, like a, a sort of like a, we had to uh, analyze a piece of text like grammatically, and. Like I, I, I got eleven out of twenty. I just passed, and I, like, and that, like, thankfully, that was the the last I saw of French grammar because it it was extremely difficult. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, the, si- um, yeah, sorry, go on. yeah, go on, go okay. No, I, just, I had a similar thing. There was um, a, a subject at uni, which is just called translation, and it, it was translating English to Danish and Danish back to English. Mm. And uh, I failed that three times and had to <laughs> and, and had to get kind of had to write to the sort of faculty. It's just pro forma, really. But I had to write <laughs> to the faculty to get Begging. dispensation. But, you know, it, it, but at the time, it was quite sort of 
I wouldn't say serious, but I've never actually got this confirmed or not, but it doesn't matter. I was under the impression that if I didn't pass the the uh, translation, uh, uh, what's mm. that called? The module. Module. The module. Then I couldn't teach oh, English. Okay. Right, okay. I, I There was an, actually an offer where I could do something for the same amount of, I think that's the European standard, isn't it? the same amount of ECTS points mm. at university. And then I could still get an English degree. But if I didn't pass translation, then I couldn't teach. So I wrote and got it uh, and uh, and took it a fourth time. And I was told that basically what I failed on was English to Danish. Danish back to English, they mm, said that was like... No problem. That, 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 that was like an A, but um, mm. English to Danish, it was just a fail every time. And they just, you had to pass both. And it, 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 they couldn't give me an average mark. But, mm. but 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 the fourth time I just part I just got I you know I got the lowest pass mark, and I could just and then, and carry on yeah. Congratulations. Thanks and you too, Pat. You know, yeah, it, but yeah, it is tough. It. But just, just yeah, sorry, right, yeah. sorry again. But we we're talking about what I was like in class. Maybe or I was talking about yeah. what I was like in class. I think because when you said I was a bit of a superstar or whatever. Talking seriously about it just for one second, and again, this is no nowhere near playing a violin, mm. but because I, I felt people expected something of me because mm. I was English, so they yeah, expected yeah, yeah. maybe to either say something funny or clever or both, mm. and have maybe a, a different or a, a deeper understanding of whatever text we were reading. So mm. I tried to kind of live up to that in class by maybe asking the teacher questions or trying to challenge something mm, mm. that you know I, I didn't pick my battles very well but i just thought it was expected of me mm. and i tried to maybe live up to that expectation and uh, but i was a young man you know and it's only around about it's only the last maybe sort of two weeks i've just started to sort of relax a bit about my own sort of identity <laughs> since uh, since i turned 48 pat that you forgot okay. but um yeah okay. just to sort of wrap that up well just to wrap that bit of it up at least uh I think we should stop it there. Like I've got, uh, we're we're uh, we're approaching forty minutes, and only oh my God. Uh, only a masochist would listen this long. Only the hardcore would listen. Only the hardcore is still with us, Mike. But uh, uh, b- before we go, talking about the hardcore, then I think uh, when people give us feedback, uh, Pat, I think it's a, a good thing that we acknowledge it. Okay. Um, so a colleague of mine called uh, Alan Alan mm-hmm. Damsdar. He wrote to us and he said that um, he wrote to us in English, which was nice. Him, uh, but he wrote another nice on our um, on our Instagram page at Foreign Podcast. He wrote another nice listen. I'm looking forward to correcting your Danish and pointing out the eternally relevant fact that you are English, Mike. He wrote with a wink. <laughs> with a wink. I don't know if you guys have heard of the American social psychologist Tyfel and Turner or T A J F E L. Typhon and Turner, when I listen to you guys, my mind often go to their theory of social identity. Mon Dieu. So I thought that that was, uh, you know, that was great to, to, nice. get, to get some positive feedback and also... Uh, say, thank, thank you, thank you, Mr. Mr. Man. Uh, sorry, I've forgotten his name. But Alan. Like, thank, you, thank you, Alan. That's, uh, that's very kind of you to say so. And obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, we are, you know, the foreign podcast at gmail.com. We are at foreign podcast on... Uh, Instagram, you know, just just say something. Just, just go mental. Yeah, just go just, mental. And uh, we'll obviously, you know, endeavour to uh, 
to yeah, yeah. any any um, piece of horse, as the Danish say, any sort of comments or criticisms, we 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 are we want to hear from you. Absolutely, um, and that is the end of this week's this fortnight's episode. We'll be back in uh, we'll be back in two weeks, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be amazing. So make sure you don't miss that. Yeah. So see many you. thanks for many thanks for listening and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye.